Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. This episode is brought to you by Aries Academy. Aries Academy is the most complete sports vision at-home training program in the country. Aries Academy was developed for athletes by optometrists by combining traditional tried and true vision therapy techniques with the most cutting edge sports vision programs in the market. Aries Academy has many different programs for all types of athletes to develop their visual and neurocognitive systems. Head to www.ariesacademy.com for their one week free program if you're interested in learning more about what sports vision training is all about. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020, the very first official episode of 2022, which is super exciting. We are heading into our third season of the podcast. You may hear a little cooing. That is baby Rose joining us for the first podcast of the year. So I apologize, but we are making it work. Um, So let's just talk about our weekly insight, which is happy new year. We spent this new year very quiet. It is my son, John Anthony's birthday. So we celebrated his second birthday. We just had my parents and my husband's parents over for a little lunch. And it was absolutely perfect. Uh, Although it was small. It was exactly what my son wanted and needed. You know, he, I always say he's like a true pandemic baby because he hasn't gotten to have any big celebrations. We know his baptism was canceled in March of 2020. And then this, the rest of all of his milestones have been very small, but you realize that that's all you really need. So we hope this, this year really brings all good things and a new, just a new beginning. That's all I got to say. How was your new year's Dr. L? Oh, first of all, happy birthday, John Anthony. And hi, baby Rose. I'm so excited you're joining us this morning. Um, Our New Year's was really nice. It was very quiet. The three of us really just stuck around the house. Uh, So I thought to myself, Paul and I had three days together at home and I had one extra day. So we tackled potty training with Teddy because we really had no plans to leave the house. We were just hunkering down. So it really was perfect timing. Um, So that's how I spent my New Year's was working on the potty, which is overall going fairly well which makes me excited. Listen, it's, it's a big milestone. It's, you know, consistency is key when it comes to potty training. So I'm so excited for you. And I hope that Teddy is loving that Daniel Tiger potty book. Um. Oh, he's loving the Daniel Tiger book you, you let me borrow. And it's going fairly well. Like you said, consistency is key. So I think it was nice um, having Paul and I both there to really have hawk eyes and be watching him for cues and everything. And he's so excited. He did his first poop on the potty. And he said, I'm a big boy now. Aww. He was so excited. And then I was a little nervous because he's going to daycare all this week. Our other childcare fell through. So I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a big wrench in plans. But they're really on board with the methods that we're using, super supportive. Um, And he had a great day there yesterday. He peed four times on the potty for them, um, which is is more than he's done for me at home. So that is so wonderful. And I do have to say, having kids at daycare, sometimes they they reinforce it so well because they've done it so many times. So I I know with Daisy, I was super nervous about her that too. And it ended up being perfect. They really, like you said, support you through it. So I'm so proud of Teddy. What a rock star. So for this week's episode, we are going to highlight a Dr. L case, similar to how we uh, highlighted one of my cases. Let's talk about your case, Dr. L. So tell us about your patient and what brought them in and what you found. 
Sure, so the patient I want to discuss has really stuck in my mind. She first came to me about six years ago, and she was one of my first low vision referrals that we received at the practice. And she just always stuck with me because as we discussed the case, you'll see, I really didn't do anything too magical with her, but we really just formed a connection. Um, and she's someone that now I see on, on an every six month basis. And she's just someone that always pops in my head when I think of special cases to me. Uh, so my patient, she was a 70 year old woman. She came to me six years ago. She had been under the care of various ophthalmologists and a local neuro-ophthalmologist who recommended that she see me. She had actually suffered an optic nerve event where the blood supply to her optic nerve for a period of time had been cut off um, and then came back. I happened first in her left eye. When the left eye event occurred, she was put on some steroids, which sometimes can help increase that blood flow a little bit sooner, which can help uh, your vision improve a little bit faster, but it didn't really help. Um, and then five months later, she had the same event happen in that right eye, which can be very, very scary. Um, she went through a full systemic workup, including blood work and imaging to see what had caused this optic nerve event to occur in both eyes with no real cause found. Everything came back normal, no high blood pressure, no carotid artery issues, no diabetes, um, no scary tumors or anything like that. So she was really left with decreased vision from these optic nerve events in each eye and no answers, right? So what prompted the referral to our office was that she did have decreased vision more so in her right eye than in her left eye. So her neuro-ophthalmologist thought it would be beneficial for her to see me to see if there were any low vision devices that could maybe help maximize the level of vision that she was with. Uh, when she presented to me, she reported that her vision was very decreased in her right eye, decreased in her left eye as well, but her better seeing eye she had some magnifiers at home and some reading glasses that she used. She absolutely loved to read um, and she could read okay with those devices. Um, she reported when watching TV, she was having a lot of difficulty discerning colors properly. Not so much seeing the image itself, her color perception was not what it used to be. Um, she was no longer driving. Um, at the time, her husband was still alive. He since passed away. So now she has some support at home. But at the time, he was alive, was helping her with some of her activities of daily living and caring for the house. Um, and she also had a cleaner coming in a little bit to assist her with cleaning the house. And I think it's important to note for those listeners that aren't optometrist that low vision means that no matter what type of glasses we put in front of you or a contact lens that your best corrected vision is still decreased. I know we always a lot of people say oh I'm legally blind but then they put their glasses on and they can see 2020. So that's not what Dr. L is talking about here. Dr. L is talking about low vision meaning that the best corrected vision is decreased and we're trying to maximize what they can do with the vision that is not correctable to that small 2020 line. Right. So when my patient came in to see me for her first exam, I, of course, assessed her visual acuity. Her right eye was about 2150, which is fairly decreased vision. And her left eye was about 2060. Now, at the time, she wasn't wearing any correction for the distance at all. Uh, so I performed a refraction and I was able to improve her left eye vision with a mild prescription down to about 2050. Uh, that right eye really had no improvement with any prescription. It was staying stable at 2150. Um, and then from there, we talked about, you know, what was working for her in terms of what she had glasses wise, what wasn't working for her. We talked about the fact that she had some magnifiers that she had tried for reading, um, which is a common low vision device to assist with reading. Um, often optically, we can only make glasses so strong before you start to have other optical side effects that make them not comfortable to wear. 
Uh, so with additional magnifiers, you can really provide patients with extra magnification. A lot of them have illumination built into them. So it really helps illuminate right directly onto what they're reading, which can help not only help them see better, but really helps with contrast as well. Um, because you have to remember when you have decreased vision, more is decreased in the function of that eye and then just the vision. So contrast is also something that you really have to think about. Um, so enhancing contrast can be very beneficial for low vision patients. Um, she reported to me that she loved to read, but she really hated having to hold anything extra. And that's kind of the downside of a magnifier, right? Is that you then are potentially holding reading material and then holding a device in your hand as well. And that can be a little cumbersome. Um, so one of her goals was to really try to find a pair of reading glasses that would work for her where she didn't have to hold something additional with her hands. Uh, so I did trial some higher reading prescriptions. Uh, a typical normal reading prescription you typically caps out at about plus 2.5. Um, I trialed things up to about a 3.5 with her and that actually enabled her to read 2040 size print, which is the size of your most typical print. Um, it's you know a little bit bigger than your typical small newspaper, um, but most things that you need to read visually are within that range. So she was really happy with that level of vision. So I prescribed a small distance prescription that helped improve that left eye a little bit. And then that stronger pair of reading glasses which enabled her to read what she needed to throughout the day and kept her hands free, which was a really big goal for her. We did talk about at the time that she was motivated to start driving again. Um, and at the time, that level of vision she had in her left eye, she fell into this in-between range um, where she potentially would have to pass a visual field test first to show that she had enough visual field to pass for a special um, a special type of license, and she also would potentially have to go through some telescope training as well. Um, so we talked about that, um, and we scheduled her for that special type of visual field, which she ended up passing, and then we started to talk about telescopes. So at a follow-up visit, and I do want to highlight that each state has its own requirements for low vision patients. So if you're listening to this anywhere but in New York, you have to check with your local optometrist or ophthalmologist with what level of visual acuity and visual field is required for these special type of licenses that come with their own set of restrictions. Um, you know, we, I think that driving is really such an important piece to a lot of people's lives, right? Because it's a form of independence, right? That allows you to go and do things on your own without having to rely on somebody. And you don't realize how often you need to go somewhere. And especially in these low vision patients, that's a really big piece to their puzzle. So uh, it's important that if you, they're motivated to drive, that you explore all of the options, but making sure that they are safe to drive and not putting anybody else in danger. Exactly. So did you guys move forward with the telescope option? So I saw her back. I had ordered her a few different telescope type devices to try. One was a monocular handheld telescope that ideally you would hold up over one eye just to kind of demo what it would look like. You ultimately can mount them in a pair of glasses to make them more usable for something like driving. Um, however, she had a really strong preference for using her right eye, which was the eye that had really decreased vision. So anytime I tried to present that monocular telescope to her better seeing eye, the left eye, she just had a really hard time finding targets through it because the right eye just wanted to take over. So that really wasn't working for her. Um, I had also ordered her a pair of, they're called Max TV or Power TV binocular glasses. They're a really cool pair of glasses that magnifies just a little bit in the distance. It magnifies about two times. Um, and it works really well for patients who have really mild distance prescriptions, which she does. And you can just wear them in place of your distance glasses. And it gives a little extra magnification. Um, she liked them 
around the office and she was able to spot read down to about 2025 with them. So I let her take them home and try them with the TV, which had been a big complaint for her. Um, and she reported to me that it really helped enhance her TV viewing and helped with that color perception difficulty she was having on the TV as well. So I, I let her use those and we there, then from there, we kind of moved away from using any other type of telescope. Now, a really big piece to her case is just the time I spent talking to her uh, because she was someone, she came in very, very nervous about her eyes. She had had these two big optic nerve events in each eye with no real reason. Um, she had seen plenty of wonderful specialists and was under great care with her neuro-ophthalmologist, but she just felt like at no point did she really fully understand what had happened and what was going on. And she was honestly terrified that something like this was going to happen again and that her vision was going to further decrease. Um, so a lot of my management with her in those first two appointments that we had together was really just talking to her, just discussing with her what happened with her optic nerves and just really her prognosis, um, which is that in some of these patients that have different events to their optic nerve, as that blood flow resumes um, and starts to supply the optic nerve again, sometimes you can gain visual acuity improvements. Sometimes not, but sometimes you can. Um, so that's something that I told her and that made her feel a little bit more hopeful that maybe Maybe this wasn't her end point with her vision that maybe over time there could still be some improvement. And I think just taking the time to have those conversations and have her understand what had happened and what the future could look like really put her mind at ease. Um, she was someone that was very anxious and nervous first coming to me to the point that I actually talked to her about seeing a therapist for how much anxiety she had following these events. It's something that she didn't ever end up following through with, but it's something that I think because I took the time to really have those conversations with her, it kept her really coming back to us. And like I said at the beginning, that's my really big takeaway from from this case, because I, I now see her every six months over the past six years. Um, her visual acuity in that right eye has really stayed stable at that 2150 level, but her left eye, the better seeing eye, improved from the initial 2050 that I was getting with a small prescription all the way down to about 2025 minus now. Wow. Um, so, yeah, which is really amazing. So now that level of vision um, in New York State allows her to have a regular license. Um, she never had to go through that telescope fitting to be able to drive. Um, she does drive on a limited basis, but like I said, her husband passed away. She lives alone now, um, so she does have to drive on occasion. So she does it on a limited basis. Um, I know whenever she comes to see me for appointments, she always has somebody drive her here because um, she has a little bit of a lengthy drive and a commute to the office. Um, but she was able to see that, you know, that wasn't the end of the road for her. That there were improvements in her vision over time and that really put her mind at ease. Um, and I think, like I said, I didn't really do anything too magical with her care. I really gave her a stronger pair of reading glasses um, and then those special low magnification TV glasses. And that's all to this date that I've given her low vision wise. I've never had to give her any additional low vision devices in terms of special magnifiers or other telescopes. Um, so these are really things that anyone out there can really do for their patients. But I, th I think what really, kept her coming back and really trusting us with her eye care was that I was one of the first people that really just sat and listened to her. I just listened to her anxieties and her concerns. And even though I didn't have a specific answer for why this optic nerve event occurred in her eyes, I explained the general process and you know, the visual prognosis and that things may stay the same or that they could improve. And she was one of the fortunate ones where she did experience at least in one eye, some improvement in her visual acuity. Okay. So that's really always hit home with me because, 
she always comes back every six months. I really just have a chat with her at this point. I recheck her vision, make sure everything's staying stable. I tweak her glasses prescriptions here and there, but I'm not doing much else for her other than just checking in. And she's just one of those special patients that I feel like we just formed a special relationship because I took that time with her. This episode is brought to you by Aries Academy. Aries Academy is the most complete sports vision at-home training program in the country. Aries Academy was developed for athletes by optometrists by combining traditional tried and true vision therapy techniques with the most cutting edge sports vision programs in the market. Aries Academy has many different programs for all types of athletes to develop their visual and neurocognitive systems. Head to www.ariesacademy.com for their one week free program if you're interested in learning more about what sports vision training is all about. Yeah, I think there's two big takeaways from this. Like you said, this this communication piece, you know, for the doctors listening, take this as a really good lesson of take that extra few minutes to talk to your patient, patients and don't just assume because they've seen five, 10 other specialists that they understand what's going on with their eyes because sometimes doctors fall into that trap of using big words and the patient leaving and being like, I have no idea what was just said to me, you know, and, and they just, they, they feel embarrassed to ask more questions or the doctor just brushes them off. So for the doctors listening, take that extra few minutes because it really does form those bonds with patients that keeps them coming back to you that, and I bet you that she has told all of her friends about you (laughs) and says, I have this really special eye doctor that takes the time to explain things. And the other takeaway is that for anybody that is experiencing low vision or decreased vision or something going on with their visual system, don't stop at one doctor, right? Keep looking for somebody that is going to hear you, hear your complaints, and try and figure out the best course of action. Like you said, you didn't do anything special. All of the doctors that she has seen could have done what you did, right? Like there was really nothing that, that, like you said, that was that special, but you took the time to listen and present her with different options because there are lots and lots of visual options out there, right? There are even options that like we don't have the capability of doing in our office. You know, there, there are so many options and you really as a patient have to be your own advocate um, and really know that there are, are things to do to improve your vision. So I absolutely love this case because it, it really highlights the simplicity of caring for people, right? It's communication and working hard to find options that are best going to suit your patient. So I really love this case. And I know that this patient is particularly fond of Dr. L. She always comes in and expresses her gratitude to everybody in the office because she really has changed her life and and helped her significantly. And that's really what we aim to do. So I think this case is so wonderful and I hope everybody gains a little bit from this case. So thank you for letting me share my case with you, Dr. Z and everyone listening and baby Rose. And we hope you listeners learned from this case and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020, and follow us on Instagram. For additional content, check out our practice, Twin Forks Optometry, on both Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.